Amen and amen. I would like to say to you that uh, I'm glowing because I've been so f- close to the face of God. <laughs> and this is what can happen. I, I, I decided not to put a veil over my face this morning like Moses did when his glory was diminishing. But I uh, thank you for, my, for, your, for your prayers for me. Yes, I had a treatment much like our brother Greg Ross had uh, from the dermatologist to uh, deal with uh, precancerous you know, spots and those kind of things like this. So no cancer, but to uh, deal with that. A lot of times they freeze these off one at a time, but this one's, oh, let's, let's put this cream all over your whole head. And so, so that's what it is. So it's like having a sunburn, basically. And... Um, you look great, so I'm, you, know, you, don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to avert your attention to me and look you know, other places and pretend that you don't see that, that, I'm, that I'm glowing this morning. So I started to wear a hat, but I was like, I don't know which is more distracting, you know, being all cool in the pulpit or uh, looking like I do. So thank you, thank you. So just let that be said. All right, open your Bibles to Psalm 150. Psalm 150. And... Uh, especially grateful this morning uh, to Isaac and the selection of those songs. Uh, what a glorious time it was to sing out to him and even focus on Psalm 150 in the last song we just sang, Praise the Lord. Psalm 150. This is the Word of God, brothers and sisters, friends, if you're visiting for the first time. This is the Word of God, the very Word of God. We preach it, we teach it, we believe it, We trust it. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the trumpet sound. Praise Him with the lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with the strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with the loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this morning. We thank You for Your greatness and Your goodness. We thank You for Your mighty deeds and Your excellent greatness. And Lord, already we have praised You this morning with our instruments with our mouths, with our hearts. We pray that as we read your word this morning, meditate on it and preach through it, that you will help us to praise you even more. Lord, as we've sang, let every breath we breathe be breathed out in praise to you. We are honored to be your people, to be your children. Help us now to understand, to believe and to apply this passage, Lord. And press it deep into our hearts by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 1741, toward the end of July and into September, a German composer composed an oratorio. It's a musical work. It was a long musical work, 260 pages. 260 pages. It took him 24 days to write this. His servant said that he rarely slept. He ate and drank little. They would put food out for him, and many times it would go uneaten or ignored. He wrote in the morning until late in the evening, every day for 24 days. 
And he produced an incredible work that has blessed our world for over 200 years. At Christmas time around the world, in many cities, you can go to hear this work and stand and sing along. It is Handel's Messiah. The composer was Handel, and his work was called the Messiah. When he completed the Hallelujah Chorus, one of his servants reported that they heard Handel say, I did think, I did see all heaven before me, and the great God himself seated on his throne with his company of angels. The work the Messiah is, is, is loosely based upon uh, three sections of the Scriptures. The prophesied birth of Christ in the Old Testament. The second part is exalting his sacrifice for, for mankind. And finally, his resurrection. We remember throughout those verses, when you sing the Hallelujah Chorus, and maybe you've had an opportunity to do that with someone or, or with, with, uh, with a group or with a choir. The words, Our God, omnipotent, reigneth. King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In those lyrics, hallelujah is, pre is presented, is sung out 48 times in, a, in, a, in what's called a polyphonic uh, measure going back and forth with the bass singing one part, the tenor singing another part, and, this, and these hallelujahs crescending and ascending and transcending over each other back and forth, making this one incredible, beautiful harmony of praise. Hallelujah means praise the Lord. Taken as a whole, the book of Psalms, the psalm book, the hymn book of Christ, taken as a whole, the psalms are one magnificent song of confessions, of contrition, of lament and praise. And it crescends to its conclusion in the last five psalms, which are known as the Hallelujah Psalms. Each of those last five begins with praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And Psalm 150 is its grand finale. Psalm 150, the grand finale of this incredible song of the Lord. It is the grand finale. And it is where all true prayer leads. As we read David and as we read the other psalmists that write throughout the psalm book, there's often times of contrition, of pouring out of one's heart, of pleading, of crying, of begging of God, of confession, of repentance, a psalm of prayer. And where does all prayer, true prayer lead? All true prayer ends like this psalm book ends. It ends in praise. Listen to what uh, one writer said about this. He said, All true prayer, pursued far enough, becomes praise. Any prayer, no matter how desperate its origin, no matter how angry and fearful the experiences it traverses, ends up in praise. It does not always get there quickly or easily. The trip can take a lifetime, but the end is always praise. 
there are intimations of this throughout the Psalms. Not infrequently, even in the middle of a terrible lament, defying logic and without transition, praise erupts. And we see this, don't we? Time after time as, as the psalmist cries out, How long, O Lord? I was like this. I was like that. My enemies were doing this and do, doing that. And then I went into the sanctuary. And then he ends in praise as he turns his eyes from his self and his suffering to the world around him. As, he, as, his, as his gaze is lifted to heaven, he erupts in praise. Psalm 150 does not stand alone. Four more hallelujah psalms are inserted in front of it. So it becomes the fifth of five psalms that conclude the Psalter. These five hallelujah psalms are extraordinarily robust. No matter how much we suffer, no matter how many doubts, no matter how angry we get, no matter how many times we have asked in desperation how long, prayer must develop finally into praise. Everything finds its way to the doorstep of praise. The writer says this about this. He says, don't rush it. It may take years, decades even, before certain prayers arrive at the hallelujahs. But prayer is always reaching toward praise and finally always arrives there. The psalmist here in Psalm 150 answers four questions that get to the heart of our very existence. Four questions that get to the heart of our very existence. Number one, where should we praise the Lord? Number two, why should we praise the Lord? Number three, who, how should we praise the Lord? And finally, who should praise the Lord? Before, but before we get to those questions, we see a command. The psalm starts, Psalm 150, with a command. Praise the Lord. It's a shout. It's an exclamation. It's an exhortation. Praise the Lord. The psalmist is preaching to himself, possibly, but he's preaching to others as well. He's commanding, he's exhorting, he's crying out, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's answer the first question. Number one, well, where should we praise the Lord? Where should we praise the Lord? Look at the answer. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. In his sanctuary. In the Old Testament, the praise of God was centralized in the people of God and the, the temple of God. There was a geographic boundary on some level of, that, that, that had to do with ethnicity and it had to do with a geographic location of the tabernacle or the temple. And we see in the, in the rites there of, of sacrifice, of incense, of, of things being done there, holy uh, implements, holy men, holy priests, giving sacrifices to God, praising Him there in the temple. But now where is it located? Look with me at John chapter 4, verses 16 through 24. We covered this a few uh, months back in our study of John. John tells us of Jesus meeting this woman at the well and you remember she was a Samaritan and Jesus engages her and talks with her and draws her in and, and in verse 16 he's asking her to bring her husband and she says this I have no husband and Jesus said to her you're right in saying I have no husband for you've had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband what you have said is true the woman said to him 
sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. It's kind of, you can almost kind of, kind of say, duh, there. I mean, Jesus wouldn't do that probably, but, but uh, you know, yeah, right. You're very perceptive, young lady. But then she says this. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Now the place of worship is not fixed to a, a city or a building made with hands, but is located in the hearts of those who worship God in spirit and in truth. And so, yes, we worship God in the sanctuary, in the place of worship, we are called to come to church as well, like the old temple, like the temple of the New Testament. We now, though, are more than this building, aren't we? We don't go to church. The church comes here. We are the church. We are the church. Listen to what Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2, 4-25. through As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. You see that? I'm speaking to a whole bunch of living stones who are interlocked and being built up. The idea of a mason laying one upon another upon another until you have an incredible, beautiful orifice, an incredible, beautiful temple, an incredible, beautiful church that's built of living people. You are a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in, in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in me will not be put to shame. Listen to what he says in verse 7. So, the honor is for you who believe. He speaks of this idea of worship as being an honor. There have been times when I've been asked to, to preach at someone else's church. Remember when I was teaching, I've, I've mentioned many times, I used to teach in Watts, and my best friend on the campus there was my, my good buddy who was 6'4 and you know, 300 pounds, and I called him Little Timmy Span, Brother Span, and he was a believer, and he preached at an inner city church in Watts, and he would ask me, Brother Kevin, can you come and preach at my church? And how would I respond? It would be an honor. It would be an honor. You may have been asked to pray sometime or read scripture to, to do something for a friend, and your response might be, it would be an honor. So here Peter tells us, the honor, the honor for us, for those who believe, is to praise God. It is our honor. Can you praise God? It would be my honor. It is our honor to praise God. Verse 9, he says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. 
Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Friends, we were not always the people of God. You were not always God's chosen one, uh, God's, God's person, God's holy people. But now you are. You are a people, a people of God. You are God's people. So we praise the Lord in his sanctuary. But also, the psalmist tells us, praise him in the mighty heavens. Praise him in the mighty heavens. From earth to heaven, from here all the way up to there. Spurgeon says this, reflecting on this psalm. He says, the exhortation, praise the Lord, is to all things in earth or in heaven. Should they not all declare the glory of him for whose glory they are and were created? Jehovah, the one God, should be the one object of adoration. To give the least particle of his honor to another is shameful treason. To refuse to render it to him is heartless robbery. Praise the strong one. Praise God in his holy place. Praise begins at home. In God's own house, pronounce his praise. The holy place should be filled with praise, even as the old high priest filled the sanctum sectorium with the smoke of sweet-smelling incense. In his church below and in his courts above, hallelujahs should be continually presented. In his church below, here on earth, as we gather, we should be singing the hallelujah. We should be praising God as we did this morning over and over again. So here on the earth below and in the heavens above, can you imagine being in heaven in the presence of God with his holy angels who are covering their faces and, and singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Everywhere you are, wherever you are, praise the Lord, whether it's on earth or in heaven, including space, <laughs> including outer space. I was reading and researching for this passage and, and came across this Story, July 20th, 1969, something happened. I was, uh, how old was I then? I was about four years old in 1969. I remember my parents taking me, watching this event on TV, and then going outside, and my dad and my grandfather and my grandmother, my, my parents taking me out at four years old, and my dad and pointing it up at the stars and saying, see the moon up there? There are men standing on it right now. So what we were watching on TV with Walter Cronkite talking about it, right? I could see up there. I couldn't see him landing, but I'm thinking, I, think, I thought I could. I think I see him right now. <laughs> you know, I'm looking hard trying to see. Where is he? There are men up there. The day before they came back, before the splashdown, Buzz Aldrin took part in a TV broadcast from space to Earth. And during that broadcast, the second man to set foot on the moon's surface read this from Psalm 8, 3 to 4. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visiteth him? It turns out that Aldrin's religious faith was not an anomaly. In fact, the 29 astronauts who had visited the moon during the Apollo program were generally a religious group of men. According to NASA, 23 were Protestants and 6 were Catholics, with a high proportion of them serving as church leaders in their own congregations. In fact, Buzz Aldrin was a Presbyterian elder 
The astronauts later didn't talk publicly about their faith because that was largely because NASA started clamping down on public expressions of faith after the famous Christmas Eve Bible reading of Apollo 8, the first manned mission to the moon. As astronauts Frank Borman, Jim Lovell, and William Anders entered into lunar orbit on December 24th, 1968, what is that? Christmas Eve. They did a live TV broadcast from space showing pictures of the earth and the moon as seen from their spacecraft. They ended the broadcast with Anders saying, for all the people on earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message we would like to send to you. Then they took turns reading from the book of Genesis, beginning with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And concluding with, and God saw that it was good. Borman closed that night saying this, Good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. That makes me sad. Brothers and sisters, how far have we fallen? How far have we fallen? That here the astronauts that we sent with our government to the moon could not contain themselves, but would cry out in praise and send back a message from space to earth. Merry Christmas. God bless you. God is good. God must be glorified. Where should we praise the Lord? Everywhere. Everywhere. On earth, on the entire globe, wherever you find yourself, in space, and soon on Mars. Right? If the Lord tarries, this is a crazy thought, but I think it's true. If the Lord tarries, someday we will probably be colonizing Mars or having spacecraft on the moon or some kind of, uh, you know, fill in the blank for me, you space people, SpaceX people and all that business. Right? And there, hopefully, there will be men and women who love the Lord and will praise Him in the highest heavens. Praise Him in the highest heavens. Well, number two, why should we praise the Lord? Why should we praise the Lord? Where should we praise Him? We should praise Him everywhere. Number two, why should we praise Him? Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. The first thing we're directed to do is to praise Him for His mighty deeds. Notice that deeds is, is plural. Here the psalmist is thinking of, of quantity. Praise Him for His mighty deeds, these, these splendid deeds, these incredible deeds. Look how many there are. Look at, uh, flip back with me in your book, Bibles to Psalm 147 and just reflect on this hallelujah psalm. Praise the Lord. Here he recounts the mighty deeds of the Lord. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant for a song of praise. Uh, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcast of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He, determ he determines the numbers of the stars. He gives to all them their names. 
Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heaven with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor is pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Jump down to Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters, and you, and you waters above the heavens. Let them, name, let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded that they were created, and He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures, all the deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and all flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints. For his people of Israel who are near to him, praise the Lord. Do you hear the recounting of the mighty deeds of God, one after another after another, how he has helped the lowly, how he, how he guides the strong? If you're the lowest of the slave to the highest of the king, you have something that you ought to be doing with the breath that comes in your mouth. It is to praise the God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. We pray, pray, praise Him not only, though, for the quantity of His goodness, but for His quality as well. Notice, praise Him for His excellent greatness. Praise Him for His excellent greatness. Things are not just good because they're big. Okay? I've been uh, to a party where they had a giant submarine sandwich, my youth pastor one time thought this was going to be so cool, and so he, he announced for months, you know, it's coming, it's coming, get ready. We didn't know what it was. He was doing this big thing to have this big youth group party. It's coming, it's coming, wow, wow, you know, make sure you're here. And so all the youth group shows up, a whole bunch of kids show up, showed up to, that, to the youth group thing that night, and what did he have? He had a 12-foot-long submarine sandwich. And I remember kind of going, that's, that's it? <laughs> this is what it is? It was big. For a young man growing up in Texas, it was the biggest submarine sandwich I'd ever seen. It was a big submarine sandwich. But just because it was big didn't mean it was good. <laughs> I've seen on the Guinness World Book of Records some guy making a pizza, the biggest pizza in the world, you know, and going along after, you know, one at one table after another making a giant pizza. Just because it's big doesn't mean it's good. But brothers and sisters, we praise God not only for his bigness, but for his excellence as well. He is a big God who creates and does mighty things, mighty deeds. But as his greatness extends and grows, his excellence never decreases. His excellence never decreases. We praise him for his excellent greatness, both for the quantity and the quality of his goodness. But friend, there is a place 
there is one place where both of these attributes come together his mighty deed and excellent greatness and the, ble- the best place that we see that is where in the person of his son Jesus Christ God's mighty deeds and his excellent greatness are embodied in our, in our Savior, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 12 through 20 says this, We give thanks to the Father. We give thanks to God the Father, who has qualified you, Paul talking to the Colossians, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the domain of darkness and trend, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Do you hear the mighty deed there? Do you hear his excellent greatness in sending his beloved son, his only son, for you and for me? To die on the cross? To be saved from all of your sins? so that you might do what you were created to do, which is to praise the Lord. So that you might do what you were created to do, to praise the Lord. Number three, how should we praise the Lord? How should we praise the Lord? Look at verse 3, 4, and 5. Praise Him with a trumpet sound. Praise Him with a lute and harp. Praise Him with a tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud, clashing cymbals. How should we praise the Lord? What the psalmist is telling us here is we should praise the Lord with everything we have. With everything we have. Yes, he's specifically talking about instruments, and I'll talk about that in a, a little bit more in a minute. But I believe also what he's explaining to us is to have this beautiful orchestra that comes together and in diversity creates great harmony, a beautiful sound of praise that comes up to God. We praise Him with everything we have. We praise Him with instruments that use, bl- that use breath. And right now we don't have any horns yet, but hopefully one day we will, right? Uh, Jacob, Kess, uh, not Jacob, Kess, Jacob Chun, where is he? I don't see him. Oh, there he is. No, no, there's Isaac. <laughs> there he is. Jacob's working on the sax a little bit. Praise Him with a trumpet sound. Things that we blow on, right? Praise Him with a lute and the harp. Use instruments also that can be plucked and played with the hand. Also, the whole body in the dance. What the psalmist is saying is, is the things that come out of our mouth, the things that we do with our hands, the things that we do with our whole body, every single bit of us should be used to praise God. The psalmist is encouraging us to use everything about us to praise God. Every resource every quality, every gift, all of our being is to praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, 
do some things to the glory of God. Some of you snicker a little bit. Some of you went, oh, yeah, I agree with that. Amen, Pastor. Don't amen that, okay? Do what? Some think? No, do all. Do all to the glory of God. Do you know what the word in Greek for all is? I don't know the word in Greek for all, but you know what it means? All. All means all. All means all, y'all. <laughs> Colossians 3.17 And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. 1 Peter 4.11 Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God applies, in order that in everything... God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. How do we praise Him? We praise Him with everything we have. With our mouth, with our fingers, with our hands, with our heart, with our bodies. Our theology, one pastor has said, our theology, your theology, comes out your fingertips. Your theology comes out your fingertips. All true theology must lead to doxology. The study of God moves us to the praise of God. And so what you believe in your heart comes out your fingertips. What you, I like to say, what you, what you be, you do. Essence precedes action. Being precedes doing. Those of us who are believers can't help but praise God. It comes out of us. And we need to use everything we have, everything at our, at our hands to, to praise Him. Listen again to those verses again. Praise Him with the trumpet sound. Praise Him with the lute and harp. Praise Him with timbering, uh, timbering, tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. What does it take to play an instrument well? I want us to think about this for a minute. He's talking about all these instruments. What does it take to play an instrument well? I can think, I, I thought of three things that, that are this process in my mind. Discipline, practice, growth. Discipline, practice, and growth. Our son uh, Hayden and many of the young men here play piano. And a lot of times after church, you'll find them sitting over here. And I totally uh, loved it one day when I looked over and Hayden was sitting in the middle and Isaac was on one side and Blaine Koval on the other side. And Hayden was playing something and they were, and they were all embellishing. They're further along, Blaine and Jacob, and they're piano playing. And so he's playing the melody and they're over there just, just, just adding in stuff, right? I don't have the freedom... Jacob has the freedom to play the piano incredibly well. Hayden plays the piano pretty well. Isaac Batty plays the piano pretty well. He has great freedom to play the piano. I don't. If I sit down at the piano, I have the freedom to make noise. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, discipline provides freedom. Discipline provides freedom. Discipline brings freedom. The biblical sense of discipline, the biblical understanding of discipline is not that you're free to do whatever you want. 
we're now free to do what's right. And the more disciplined we are, the greater freedom we have. And so let me encourage you here. I believe the psalmist here is, is encouraging us in this way to think of instrumental music with discipline, practice, and growth. No one ever became a concert pianist in one day. And so I, I would say the same thing regarding our praise. We need to practice praise. We need to practice praise. If you say to yourself, I'm not a very good prayer. I don't pray very good. I, I'm not very good at singing. I'm not very good at praising God. I, I stumble over my words when I, when I think of the goodness of God and trying to praise Him out loud. Then maybe you need to practice. You need to practice being disciplined, to be in the Word, to practice. Not all, of, not all of us have instrumental music gifts or abilities, do we? We don't all have instruments that we can play, but all of us do have an instrument of praise. Our mouths. Our mouths. And out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we train our hearts. As we sang this morning, we tune our hearts. We pray to God to say, tune my heart to sing thy grace. So we train our hearts and we fill them up with the wonder and knowledge of God and then we allow it to spill forth out of our mouth to praise Him. Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. A great help that might, uh, just on a practical level, that might help you in this area would be to read the Puritans. I would really encourage you to read the Puritans. Get this little book called The Valley of Vision. The Valley of Vision. It's a book of Puritan prayers. And so you get that book, right? And you read the Psalms over and over again. You meditate on them and you memorize them and you read the prayers of godly people to increase your ability to praise God. Practice your prayer. So four questions that we've answered today. Number one, where should we praise? The Lord, where should we praise the Lord? Everywhere. Why should we praise Him? Because of every one of His attributes. How should we praise Him? With everything that we are. And finally, who should praise the Lord? Look at verse 6. Who should praise the Lord? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Who should praise the Lord? Everyone. Everyone. Spurgeon says this, let all breath praise Him. Let all breath praise Him. That is to say, all living beings. He gave them breath. Let them breathe His praise. Breath comes from Him, therefore let it be used for Him. Join all ye living things in the eternal song. Be ye least or greatest, withhold not your praises. What a day it will be when all things and all places unify to glorify the one, only, true, and living God. This is the final triumph of the church of God. Praise ye the Lord, Spurgeon says. What's the title that I gave to this sermon? The reason what? The reason we breathe. You exist for one reason. You exist for one reason. 
to bring glory to God, to praise God. You were created for one reason, to glorify God, to bring praise to God. That's the reason you breathe. That is the reason you breathe. And so look at how the psalmist ends. It ends where it begins. The first verse says, praise the Lord. And finally, the last verse, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My prayer for you, brothers and sisters, this morning is that your life may be a hallelujah chorus. Let's be encouraged. Let's use everything we have for the Lord to praise Him. Let's not let Handel's Messiah be the last oratorio written to the praise of God. Let's move forward. Let's grow in our discipline. Let's open our mouths and let's praise the Lord because that is why we exist. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you for loving us. You are a great God. And we've seen through the reading of your word this morning and our meditation on it that you, you deserve all praise, glory, and honor. And for us, Lord, who, have, who were not a people but now are a people, who've been called your people, it is an honor for us to have that responsibility to praise you. Lord, help us that as we breathe in your greatness and your goodness, as we breathe out, that we would breathe out in words and utterances and shouts of praise and hallelujahs. May every aspect of our life bring you praise, Lord God, for that is why you have created us and that is why we exist. Lord, we pray for your kindness to be upon those who are in the congregation who have yet to put their trust in you. Or for those whose hearts have become embittered or challenged or frustrated or depressed and they find themselves constantly focusing on their own world, their own lives, their own challenges, their own troubles. Father, would you help them? Lift their eyes, Lord God. Hold them when they can't hold on to you. Teach them again to praise you. And we pray, this is our prayer this morning, Lord, that you would tune our heart to sing your grace. We love you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.